0: What's up, beautiful people? It's Jay Freedom, the we are podcast. Talk about a few things today. Uh one of the things we want to talk about is how we came up with the idea for this. Um back when I was in college, um some classmates and I we were talking about how history repeats itself. And um, so I went home, drew a little timeline. And I noticed that like stuff got kind of shaky for us, like every 40 to 60 years, give or take about 50, you know, a median of about 50. Um, and it had been like 56 years since our last like major social upheaval, which was a civil rights era. Um, I was like, man, okay, based on history repeating itself, something's getting ready to happen. So I just started doing research and trying to figure out um, you know information about asylum refugee status stuff like that for the neighboring countries Mexico Canada I'm originally from Louisiana so Mexico would have been my quickest out um if something would have pop off and we need to roll out, uh because you know with, with Donald Trump rolling up it was probably going to be another Jim Crow 2.0 possibly a civil war and um this was you know years ago um so, uh, you know, fast forward, we end up having a black president and, you know, it's like they came out of the woodworks. Everybody that was like sitting down and hiding in the background and, and all this stuff, they just they just came out. They just could not handle psychologically the idea of, you know, a black man being the leader of a free world. And it just, it drove them crazy. We saw the Tea Party come out from him, we saw political tie shifts. we saw the midterm election on his first term. And, you know... Congress was fighting him tooth and nail whenever he tried to get anything done, including Supreme Court justices and all of that stuff. So it was just a catalyst. It's like it's a psychological blow for them to to see a black man who, who you know, they already see us as less than. They already, you know, see us as animals, monkeys, subhuman, all of these types of things. And that was just the, the, the straw that broke the camel's back for them to start just coming out the woodworks and doing the stuff that they do. You know, Donald Trump shows up on the scene. You know, he's saying everything that they've been afraid to say all this time. You know, he's emboldened. He's emboldened in them. You know, fast forward, he wins the election. And it's like this, like the powers that be wanted this to happen because they didn't shut him down early. He made it past the primary. He got to the general to the election and and he won the presidency. Of course, you know he was assisted by. Uh, other governments as well, but, um, and it looks like this is what's going to happen again for the 2020 election as well. So the thing is that I want, I want everybody to, to, to pay attention and understand what's going on and try to put yourself ahead of everything so you can, you know, lessen the blow for you, your family, your loved ones, so you guys can be okay. Now the thing for us to understand is that the vile ignorance that's been unleashed, it's not going anywhere. It's gonna get worse. It's just getting started. Um, you know, whether he's assassinated, whether he resigns, whether he's impeached, you know, because they've got enough to impeach him again. I don't know what they're waiting no, on, but um Pence ain't serious that you know we may end up picking cotton again. Uh that that's that's what I'm afraid of. Uh I saw the writing on the wall about two years ago. I decided to leave. Um, Also, we'll talk about that later on. But um, another thing, too, is that, you know, everybody wants us on the mainstream. They want us to sit down, be docile. They want to throw a few little crumbs at us and keep us quiet. And it's, you know, oh, they're protesting and they're going to, you know, and everything's gonna be back to normal, and you know, thoughts and prayers, and that's it. But the problem is is that every time things happen, they know what our playbook is and they know what we're gonna do. Um, you know, everybody, all we hear is the clips of Martin Luther King. I have a dream. Oh, you know, he was like, they got you believing that King was a dreamer, but King, King was wide awake and he was speaking on and pushing on economic empowerment that's when they killed him once he stopped playing that game and stopped dreaming and started waking up. And, you know, another thing is that we haven't had a so-called black leader of that caliber ever since. And the thing that we have to understand is that we don't need a leader because every time we have a leader, you know, they take them down. So the thing about it is, is that we're going to have to start thinking for ourselves. We're going to start having to strategize. We're going to have to start outthinking them and we're going to have to make some serious moves and be disciplined about changing our condition in the United States because nothing much has changed for us since since reconstruction, since the civil rights era. You know, every aspect of our lives from the cradle to the grave, you know, it's it's unfair in comparison to white America. And we we need to start fighting back. I'm not saying fighting back physically because you know they got guns, they got guns. Us, they run around in subways with bazookas and stuff. So you can't, you know, you can't fight that. You can't fight that. But start thinking, start thinking intellectually. Become an intellectual, intellectual radical where you start out outsmarting them because the only thing that they understand is money. The only thing that they understand is economics, economic impact. What ways can we impact them economically? We you know that this pandemic has shown us that. Without us going to work and playing the game, everything shuts down a week, two weeks, three weeks later, big companies, corporations, they're looking for a handout in the form of corporate welfare. In the meantime, you fighting for your little unemployment check. What they tell you right there, reality, you hold the power. We hold the power collectively, but we're going to have to set aside our foolishness, our games, our differences. We're going to have to help each other. We're going to have to teach each other. We're gonna try to try to try to get it where everybody is mostly on the same page. You know, cooperation ain't gonna be for everybody, but for a lot of us, you know, we just need motivation and, and guidance as far as how to outsmart the system and put it in our benefit. Another issue is that. Our live and in living color on the news, on social media, all over the place. And once again, same thing. We get riled up and less than a week later, everything is quiet and nothing else is going on. And and they know this and they keep doing what they're going to do. We have to understand that. What, what the criteria and the, the definition for genocide is, I challenge you to go look that up on the United Nations website. Uh, also, you can check the, the United States. Um, uh, I think it's like the Refugee Act. I forgot the name of it, but uh, I want to say it's on the Department of Homeland Security. You can check that, too. It basically mirrors what the United Nations uh, criteria for genocide is. And if that's not what's happening to us, then, you know, we must be blind, We just, I mean, I don't know what else to say, but I challenge you to go check that out. Another thing, too, was that when um, Alton Sterling got killed in my hometown, um, I was out there marching and protesting and all of this stuff and standing out there. And uh, it's, you know, it, it dawned on me that this is the same thing that they were doing 50, 60 years ago. And we still out here doing the same thing and nothing changed. You know, it's the same thing. Literally nothing changed. And it it just it it got to me because it was like the community leaders. And this is just my personal opinion. It was like the community leaders. They were okay, you know, trying to keep the Negroes under control, you know, to make sure that a riot didn't quell up and you know thoughts and prayers quiet down for a little while keep it moving um it it just it got to me and and so that's what made me start thinking about this blueprint about this plan because at the end of the day it's gonna boil down to economics and my motivation is that i i just want my people to do better i want you to to understand you know that, that we can improve our condition we can be better It's 196 recognized nations on the planet, and half of them you can get in on the strength of the U.S. passport. And I want you to know out there, if you've been thinking about leaving and with all this stuff going on, people been thinking about getting out. But I want you to know that you don't have to struggle. You don't have to be fearful of your life. You don't have to kill yourself on the job. You can have a good life and take care of your family for two-thirds less of what you probably doing now if you can come up with a thousand dollars man you can live good in a lot of places in the country you just got to have the right mindset you can't go in with a colonizer mindset you have to be open to to learning a new language learning a, a new culture you know uh it, it's so much more to which we'll talk about over over this uh, series of this podcast but you know just just know and i'm putting it out there you don't have to. You don't have to struggle no more. You don't have to, to deal with that. You can protect your children, your babies, your black babies, your sons, your daughters, your husbands. You know, your family can be OK. and You don't have to put up with this. You have options. You just got to put in a little work to find where you want to go and what, what best suits you. We can use this pandemic as a turning point. We can up our skills, embrace this technology and use this to our advantage. And um, you can do that because a lot of jobs are remote. A lot of jobs were remote before. And just like overnight with everything happening, all of a sudden, everybody found a way to to, to have remote jobs. So if you had a skill set or you're trying to improve your skill set, you can be employable on a job that you are not tied down to, that you can get up and go where you need to go, do what you need to do, live for a fraction less than uh, what what you live in. You just got to be open to it. You Just got to be open to it. It's going to change your life. Now, people, let's. Those who have not benefited from the fruits of our labor, we built the entire country, the United States. We literally built it. It was built on our backs. And. They haven't given us anything. I mean, we are literally living in an apartheid era that never really ended since, since you know, since emancipation. They just, just found different ways. We're not going to talk about the 13th Amendment today. We're not going to talk about that. We'll talk about that in another podcast. But, you know, I want us to stimulate real and honest conversations across the nation. I'm even down for some allies, you know, but definitely within the black community. It uh, can lead us to understand our true worth in this country. And once again, going back to this pandemic, you see how much you work. They can't function without you, straight up. Um, I propose that we remove our collective economic impact, and uh, to do that, I propose that we remove ourselves via a mass exodus. A mass exodus from the United States. It's so many places that are uh, that will accept us. But like I said, you got to go in with the right mindset. You can't come in with a colonized mindset. You're gonna have to be uncomfortable. But I think long term for future generations, if you got little kids right now, you' setting it up for them to be better, for them to live better. Man, I don't know about you. My family, you know, my folks, they grew up during the height of Jim Crow. Born in the 1940s, they were baby boomers, all of that good stuff. You know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother, born in, you know, 1906, 1922, they grew up in all of this stuff. So, you know, they did the struggle during the civil rights era. My generation, I was born in the 70s, mid, late 70s. And, you know, I'm straight up, I ain't about their life. And I know a lot of you have been out there. we benefited from the things that they went through. We were able to get an education. We were able to live in nice neighborhoods, drive cars, we're you know, nice cars, all the, all the stuff that they never had. We we're able to achieve all those things in one generation. But the thing is, is that when these racists went back inside and, and went and hid behind their doors, you know, these people, these people are the people who Run your community. These are the people who are in government. These are the people who are your doctors, your lawyers, your nurses. These are the people who are your local city council members, school board members. And I challenge you to go on any given local news station, on social media, read the comments. Read the comments. These are your kids, friends, parents. These are your neighbors who live next door to you. They don't care about you. The first thing they holler is, "Go back to Africa." Well, when we try to go back to Africa, they shut Marcus Garvey down. So where are we going to go? You know, and you need to understand or we need to understand collectively that nothing is going to change. This is who they are as people. This is who they are as people. You have a few quote unquote good ones here and there. I'm cool with some people, I'm some, some white folks I've been friends with since I was a kid. Everybody else has deleted themselves over the years. That's my position has changed uh, as far as my relations and dealing with them. But at the end of the day, when it, when it hits the fan, because if Donald Trump wins, all hell is going to break loose. If Donald Trump loses, all hell is going to break loose. He is not going to give up the White House that easily. Ooh, it's, it's getting ready to storm by me. It's under and I don't know if you guys caught that or not. But he's not going to walk away from this. He is—he—he he is power greedy, and he's not going to give that away. And the thing about it is, once that impeachment, once he was acquitted uh, during the Senate trial of his impeachment, that was it. If you didn't see the writing on the wall, you already—I mean, if you did see it, you knew. Bam! He's banging on his chest. He's sticking his chest out. He's got his head out. Now he can do whatever he wants. He was doing whatever he wanted before. But he can really do what he wants now. And that's emboldening these people even more. So it's time for us to wake up. It is time for us to wake up. And we need to really seriously consider looking at other options as far as whether we're going to sit there and take everything that they dole out to us, which we've been doing for over 400 years. Okay. We're going to accept our place as less than, as subhuman, as animals in their minds. Or are we going to fight a losing battle? Because you can't win against them. They got bazookas. We ain't got nothing. We ain't got a, some of us got a few little things. Oh, my man. They been stockpiling for a minute. Or collapse them economically. Remove your economic impact. That means stop working there. Stop buying things remove your economic impact remove your body physically from the country and as as you can see with this pandemic it's collapsing everything on the local state and federal level imagine if if we all re- removed our part of uh, uh, removed ourselves from the part from that part of the equation and the economic damage would be just Unlike anything we've ever seen before. Now, once that occurs, that might get their attention. See, one of the things that I looked at. And by the way, I have a bachelor's degree in history and also have a master's degree in social sciences, uh, concentration, major concentration, history, poli sci. And so uh, I'm trained to identify trends and patterns. You know, I'm not like no historian extraordinaire, but I got enough sense to know that something ain't right, something ain't going, something's going on. And it's time for us to really consider what our options are going to be and what are we going to do about the situation that we're in right now. It cannot go on any further. It can't go on anymore. And we need to do something about that. All right, so now, you know, as far as thinking about us getting out and leaving and finding out. I'm to look at it in the context of an abusive relationship, you know. An abuser is going to say stuff like, oh, you can't make it without me. You can't do nothing with me. You need me. If I can't have you, nobody can, you know. It, 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 we have a, a horribly abusive, long-term abusive relationship with the United States. And to be honest, it's, it's you know, frankly, it's run its course. And, you know, a lot of times victims of abuse, I know people who have been in abusive situations, be it psychological abuse, physical abuse, um, you know, victims of of abuse, oftentimes they make, you know, very hard decisions, especially if they got kids and they got to take their kids out of this situation. You know, he's paying all the bills. You know, she's not working. It's it's, it's a lot of stuff, but you know, at, at a certain point you have to decide if you're going to remain in that relationship and continue taking that abuse, if you're going to fight your abuser, you know, um, or you if you're going to pack your shit and leave. That That's point blank, bottom line what it's going to be. Either way, it's going to be ugly, you know. It's going to be ugly for you. But at least you are free from your abuser. And when you when you finally do decide to leave, you know that that life just has to be better, you know, than what you are living at that particular time. And, you know, our abuser is the United States and we are its victims. We are the victims of the United States straight up. And, you know, it's straight up time for us to leave. And uh, leave this abuser, leave our abuser, and and go ahead and empty the bank account on the way out. Um, our relationship is running its course, straight up, and we we really need to consider consider this uh, as 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 fact, truth, and as an option for us. Now the thing they're always quick to say, pull yourselves up by your bootstraps, you know. A lot of us have been brainwashed into thinking that it's just a matter of hard work that'll get you out of, you know, the ills of society, or the plight of Black America. Even, even like I said earlier, with with your education and where you live, what kind of car you drive, what kind of you know titles and alphabets you have behind your name. At the end of the day, when you you know, your neighbors are calling the police on you. You can't even go jogging in your own neighborhood, as we saw last week with a uh, Ahmaud. You know, this is not something that just started happening. It's been happening. The only thing is now, you know, it's it's recorded and televised and all over social media in a matter of minutes. You know, it can literally go from a small sleepy town in Alabama to being all over the world. There's social media in a matter of hours, and, you know, it, it's like, even in death, because the first thing that they always do, whenever one of us is killed, either by the hands of law enforcement, or if it's by the hands of vigilantes, like, uh, what's that dude's name, George Zimmerman, like this, uh, the, the I forgot the other little guy's names in Alabama that killed uh, Ahmad. but, you know, no matter what, the first thing they do is try to discredit you. You know, even in death, we have to prove that we didn't deserve to die. You know, if you had a criminal record, that has nothing to do with how you got killed. You know, like Philando Castile. I mean, you can name people over and over and over and over. Sandra Bland. I mean, just, you know, pick one. It it it, it, it has no, your past, criminal history has no no binding over what you got killed for. And it's, it's incumbent upon your family to try to clear your name. Stuff sits months at a time before, you know, it even gets the light of day and people even consider it. So even if these people are arrested for things, we rarely get to conviction and, and sentences that are, you know, comparable to the crime. And that's another part of the genocide. You know where they see us as subhuman, where they see us as less than. We we fit the criteria, political, ethnic, everything the, I think the ten criteria of genocide we fit like eight of them, eight maybe nine of them, but we we fit we fit a bunch of them. So you know, I think that like our solution, um, you know, is that that we can. Imp- we, we can offset some of the current and future violence because Jim Crow 2.0 is upon us. And I personally believe we're on the verge of a civil war. Um, I think Charlottesville, when they go back and look at history, Charlottesville a few years ago, when he said they were very fine people, those little Nazis and neo-Nazis and alt people with their little tiki torches and their little swastikas and, and their Confederate flags and all of this stuff. We're going to look back at history at that point in time. And decide that that's when the nationalism and the sectionalism, just like with the Civil War, blew up to a point where that was the beginning rumblings of the Civil War. You know, people got hurt, a lady got killed. Um, you know, and part of that offsetting the collateral damage to us is by voluntary voluntary removal. Um, you know, we got to remove ourselves from the country on our own terms, and. Through economic disruption, um, because they're still basically gaining, um, they're they're profiting from the fruits of our labor and our participation in the society. Straight up, um, you know, it's 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 like the collective consciousness forgets, you know, what happens. It's so bad that nobody wants to talk about it, but the collective consciousness forgets about it. So the new generations that come up they don't know anything about it or their, their parents and grandparents didn't talk about it because it was so traumatic. And, you know, if you look back at uh, descendants of Jews, uh, there's multiple studies where uh, they found, like, some kind of, like, distortion or some kind of change on one of the strands of DNA that deals with trauma, and they're pass- they passed the trauma of the Holocaust to their descendants who are now living. So, and that was only 70-plus, 70-something years ago. So you can only imagine what's going on with us. You know, um, we're not going to get any reparations. They're not going to to do anything because as soon as they legislate, you know, do some legislation in our favor, then there's a loophole that's found. They change stuff around. You got to jump through more hoops in order to benefit from it. So you know, you have to think about all of these things. They do not have any intention of granting us full freedoms and rights that white America gets. Straight up, no matter how much you beg, no matter how much you plead, you cry, you pray. We've been doing this for so long. I don't know about y'all, but I'm tired. I'm tired and I wanna help as many people, black people, people of color, even allies, live free outside of the United States. Straight up, you don't have to. You don't have to deal with that. Um, also, acknowledging that that our avenues um, have been exhausted in multiple attempts to be included in this system. Straight up, it's it's we're not going to be equally included in this system. It's just not going to happen. And we need to wake up. We have got to wake up to understand this. We got a plan. We got a design. We got to construct a system that's beneficial to us, and you know, have little to no interaction between members of the current system economically or socially. Um, you know, I I don't think it can be done on American soil because we saw what happened in, in Tulsa. We saw what happened in Rosewood. Anytime we have these communities that even in Memphis. Um, with Ida B Wells, her friend's store got got firebombed. I think he got killed. I, I don't remember exactly, but um we can't concentrate in one place. Um, you know it's like after the south uh, you know after after the, the civil war and reconstruction and stuff, uh there was a mass migration, the first voluntary mass migration of in, of of that magnitude of African Americans from the south to these northern cities. Uh, it happens between like the uh, around like mid-World War One, so maybe 1917, 1920, um, somewhere up in there, all the way till about 1960. We moved en masse from the South, from the deep South, former slave states, to places like New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Baltimore, D.C., Chicago, Detroit. We even went west to California, uh, Oakland, Los Angeles being big places that we went. But the thing about it is, is that we concentrated those numbers. I want to say it was like 56 million people, or something to that effect, during that time frame. So you know, if if you live up north, you nine times out of ten you have roots in the south. You know, your your my dear, or you know, grandma, auntie, somebody, your mom and them even. You know, nine times out of ten they came from the south, or their their descendants came from the south and moved up there in the early part of the 20th century, and um I, I think that if we instead of concentrating them in in specific locations, if we spread everybody out, like everybody's going to have to like pick their own thing. You can't have a leader because if you have a leader, they're going to take them out. They're going to defame them and or assassinate them. And this is what happens every time you get some legislators that are on our side that are trying to help us. They're going to take them out, too. So, the key is to get with like minded individuals, like minded groups, family members, friends, where everybody's all on the same page. Everybody is, is pooling their resources and take those resources, do your research, and get out. And if you spread out in multiple pockets across the globe, I mean, you can check on social media. There are plenty of groups. You pick a city, you pick a location, you pick Mexico, Canada, Australia you know, Panama, whatever, you can find anywhere on the planet, there's pockets of black uh, expats or migrants. I hate the term expats because, you know, that, that that's, that's specifically politically designed to uh, encourage migration amongst white people, whereas everybody else are immigrants. But, um, you know, it, it's black folks from the United States who are living and thriving all over the planet and the network and the system is 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 tight. Everybody, people you don't even know, they're gonna help you. They're gonna help you find a good location, give you some suggestions, the good, the bad, the ugly, or wherever you're trying to go. But if we spread it out to multiple places, then it's 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 easier for them to not quell the Exodus movement because you can't pinpoint where they are. They don't have the resources to go after every pocket of thriving, successful black folks. And um, I think that this is going to be a long term solution for us um, with minimum casualties and collateral damage uh, to us as a as a whole. <laughs> All right, everybody, that's it for today hit on quite a wide range of uh topics we'll be hitting on a lot more topics coming soon Uh, i just want to say thank you for listening uh if you want to leave a message click on the link uh where you click to listen to the podcast leave a voice message and we'll play it on air answer some questions all right have a great day have a great week and remember we out